Welcome to Creepy Kentucky. I'm Quinn. And I'm Laura. Do and we have anything we want to talk about before we jump into this crazy freaking ride that we're going to be going on? I don't have anything, but I'm super well, excited to hear our, the story. Uh, well, for one thing, our microphone's on back order, so we apologize. Thanks. Hopefully we can... Thanks, Guitar Center. <laughs> Hopefully we can... Uh... Oh, Dune trailer came out yesterday. Yes. So I watched it three times. <laughs> so did I, for different reasons, I'm assuming. You like the Pink Floyd. Yeah, I like the Pink Floyd. <laughs> Apparently someone in the comments said that... So some guy... Some guy wanted to make it in the 70s. Yes, and have Pink Floyd do and the music. Pink, right. Yes. Yeah. But that didn't work out, so... I also read a comment where someone was bitching about the music choice. Oh, yeah, screw them. Yeah. Just screw them. Yeah. All them. Let's... Well, screw them to the sun and back. My thoughts exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very yeah. excited. Why would you pick Pink Floyd? Why would you redo it? That's another thing I was like. Why would you redo it? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the original? Have you read the book? Yeah. I don't know. People are weird. I feel like there's a lot of people. That's the problem with the internet. Like, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound bad. It's going to sound bad. But that's the problem with the internet that everybody knows is that stupid people have equal access to it. Yeah. That's the problem. And, you know, and then people are like, well, you have a podcast. So I'm like, I'm not that dumb. I promise. No. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the reason I want to explain the reason I did this story, because it's not really super Kentucky has super a lot to do with Kentucky but there's three reasons why I did it first of all it's wild as hell second of all um like he was known as being from Kentucky like that was his main claim to fame and thirdly I didn't know anything about this until we started looking at possible topics for this podcast I had never heard of this guy so I was like um so this is like a whole new thing for me anyway so today we're going to talk about Levi Boonhelm the Kentucky Cannonball yeah get ready oh yeah by the way yeah this is seriously try like trigger warning filledness so if anybody has like any sensitivities just keep like keep going just skip to the next episode yeah, keep moving move along i mean okay. it's called the kentucky cannibal what? for a reason yeah what else can you expect okay so levi boonhelm was born january 28 1828 in lincoln county kentucky uh i could not find his father's name but his mother's name was nancy uh, so they had actually come to Kentucky after many of the early pioneers had arrived and settled in. And as a consequence of their lateness, they had not been able to become part of the wealthy middle class as so many of the early settlers had done. Green clay. Like, they hadn't been <laughs> able to buy any land or, you know, build anything on that land. Uh, they had a, a subsistence way of life, which meant that they often went cold and hungry. And also, they had each left behind large families who could help them get past the rougher times. Uh, but still, they were considered a respectable family. That's what uh, you get for being late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Levi was the eighth child of the family, and three more children came in quick succession. So, with 13 members of their family, uh, when they heard about some land opening up in Missouri, they leaped at the chance. Uh, So, they sold virtually everything they owned to get a spot in a wagon train so they would have protection during their trip. Uh, the families look changed once they got to Missouri. They had their own land, so they were able to enjoy the profits from it. And they were actually closer to a town, although they were actually at the frontier of the time. And also they were on the Santa Fe Trail. So they had people and goods traveling right by them frequently. Uh, the family became well-liked in the area, and they were known for always being willing to help out if needed. Aww. Except for... Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Boone grew up very quickly. At age 10, he was the same size as uh, the teens in the neighborhood. And he demanded respect from them and felt that if he wasn't getting it, he'd beat people up until they were bloody pulps. So, if he had to be pulled off of someone for fear that he'd kill them, he'd start beating up that person who pulled him off. Oh, my God. And also, he was quick to hold a grudge and quick to let it fester. Uh, He was also extremely athletic. He loved to show off his physical skills. He would take on much bigger men in wrestling and boxing matches, and he delighted in beating them. And he also loved doing tricks on horseback. His favorite one was to throw his knife from the horse, leap off, grab it, and jump back on the horse while the horse was still in full stride. I mean, um, but of in course, all fairness, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, his favorite pastime was brawling. He loved a good fight. Who doesn't? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as he grew older, of course, he started to gain the attention of girls as well as the local lawmen. Uh, He was warned several times not to keep picking fights. Finally, after one too many fights, he, the sheriff came after him with an arrest warrant. Oh, no. (laughs) So, Boone's answer to this was to ride his horse into the courtroom demanding to know who signed the warrant against him the terrified judge rescinded the order, and as he rode away, Boone said, Better luck next time, boys. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Who signed this arrest warrant? <laughs> There's like a horse in the background. Yeah. <laughs> people like running away from the... Oh, it's a horse. There's a horse in the corner. Yeah. You're, you're welcome for that dramatization. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) so when Boone was 20, he married one of those girls whose attention he'd received. Her name was Lucinda Browning, and she was 17. Um, He was, I mean, I could only think of the word horrific. He was a horrific husband. Um, He would beat her, drink and gamble away all their money. He would bring his horse inside their house, obviously, to eat off his plate, yet he never cleaned the horse or took care of it. So, the situation, and you have to, like, this was in, like, what, 1848, 49, that kind of area. The situation got so bad that Lucinda filed for divorce from him, and Boone's father paid for it. Oh, my God. So, 
uh, in this case, Boone couldn't or wouldn't fight against this since not only was his father clearly in favor of Lucinda getting her freedom, but also the entire town had had enough of him. It's fair. So he attempted to return to the family homestead, but he found it abandoned. His father had lost most of what they'd made because they constantly had to get him out of trouble. And his parents ended up going back east, and his brothers and sisters went their separate ways. So with his family gone, uh, Boone took up with some of his cousins. Um, However, he had no way to make money and no inclination to settle down. So he decided to head for one of the mining areas in either Texas or California. He settled on Texas, and... uh, he tried to get his cousin, and I mean, you're going to enjoy this name. He tried to get his cousin, Littleberry Shoot, to go with him. Yeah. Uh, he packed up all his things and went to Littleberry's house one day, expecting him to be packed as well. But when he talked to Little Littleberry, and he had no, in- and he realized Littleberry had no intention of going anywhere. He got so mad, he stabbed Little Berry in the heart with his Bowie knife. <laughs> I mean. Why'd you pack, Little Berry? Why'd, uh, why'd you pack? I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going, Boone. Boone. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. You're welcome for that second <laughs> dramatization. All right. So he took off for California, hoping that people would think he'd headed for Texas. Because that was where he originally intended to go. So he wandered lost in the wilderness because he was so bad at wilderness skills. Uh, He should have spent less time fighting and more time learning about the wilderness. Uh, Meanwhile, the sheriff easily realized that he was heading for California. So he organized a posse and they took off after him. Uh, After weeks of tracking him, the posse found him trying to get water out of a muddy stream. They took him back to Missouri, and on the way back, it was clear that Boone had completely broken down. He rambled, he drooled, he giggled wildly. It was clear to everyone, including the sheriff and the judge, that Boone couldn't handle trial, so he was shipped to a mental asylum like east in the eastern part of Missouri. Except, guess what? It was all an act, of oh, course. Of course it was. So, when Boone got to the asylum, he became a model inmate. Of course he did. He gained the trust of the asylum keepers, especially one particular man who would take Boone out smoking and walking in the asylum grounds every night. Of course. Then Boone started going into the bushes to use the bathroom during these walks. Of course he did. But he would always, like, reappear a few months later, so the keeper, like, trusted him a lot. However, one night, while the two men were walking around, Boone went into the bushes as usual, and then another member of the staff walked up. Uh, so the two staff members talked for a while, and the one guy was hoping the whole time that Boone would stay hidden, because yeah. he didn't want to get, to get in, in trouble. trouble. Yeah. Uh, when the second guy walked away, Boone's guy began looking for him, but he was nowhere to be found. 
he didn't. He did not report Boone as missing. And by the time the rest of the staff realized he was gone, there was no urgency to find him because they figured his track record in the wilderness was not that great. So they were like, "Well, he's gonna <laughs> he's die anyway. Like, gonna be dead. Yeah. Whatever. Just let him run." Yeah. Uh, no one reckoned with how badly he wanted to survive, though. He would kill lone hunters or pioneers to get their supplies and guns. Uh, even that was not enough to keep him going. One day, he came across a hunter who he killed, only to find out that the man's supplies were almost as meager as his. So that is where he started taking the flesh off of the guy and cooked it and ate it going back several times until he was fully sated. So, the next time he came across a party in the wilderness, he was actually able to trade some supplies that he'd gotten from people he killed for food. Um, so, he judged that he was far enough from Missouri at that point not to have to worry anymore about people looking for him. So, he got back on a trail where he could have better access to supplies and headed for California. Uh, so, n- news that a cousin was arriving had somehow made its way to three of his cousins. Okay. The Johnson boys. So, they expected to see a kind of a soft guy. And they were totally surprised <laughs> when someone as rough as Boone arrived. Uh, Boone soon established that he was the toughest of all the cousins, which is what being a cannibal will get you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So he would help the cousins mine their various uh, claims in exchange for a share of the profits, uh, planning on saving the money so he could buy someone's claim when it came up for sale. However, uh, he spent all his money drinking, whoring, and gambling, just like he always did. So his cousins grew tired of him and wanted him to go away. Your cat just threw a fortune cookie at me. Of course she did. Uh, But they couldn't just ask him to leave. She's a charmer. Uh, However, he solved the problem for them. Uh, Instead of his usual way of dealing with people, which was killing them in brawls, he killed one man in cold blood. It was enough to get the sheriff to look at him differently, and it was enough to get Boone to head for the Pacific Northwest. And the cousins were shocked when they got word of some of Boone's exploits back in Missouri and on the way to California. So, on the way to Oregon... All right. This can't be great. <laughs> Boone collected a gang of somewhat like-minded individuals who helped him to continue to rob and kill. So they would... Yeah. No. No, not a great... No. No, he's still the only cannibal. Uh, They would attack miners who had their claims with them, bury the gold temporarily till it was safe to dig it up, and continue on their way. So this continued till they got to a town, and I'm not sure how it's pronounced, a town called the the Dales, the Dalles, Dallas, uh, where the local lawmen became suspicious about just how much gold and money that the gang had. Uh, so the gang discussed things and realized that some kind of confrontation between the sheriff and his men was going to occur. They decided to travel on, but to where? 
and eventually they agreed. I mean, uh, they agreed to head toward the Utah Territory. So they felt that they could get along with the Mormons as long as they only killed people who weren't Mormons. <laughs> it should be okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah why not? Of also, also, they believed that the polygamous society that the Mormons had meant that there were women for the taking everywhere. <laughs> so they set out for Utah, much to the relief of the people in Oregon. Boone and his gang were someone else's problem at that point. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's where it really starts getting... Okay. On the way to the Utah Territory, they were attacked by a a group of Maidu Indians who uh, ambushed and shot at them. The Maidu chased the gang until one of them shot a Maidu horse out from under one of the warriors, and the others stopped to see if he was okay. So the gang continued to Gully, where they set up camp, and Boone took two sentinels out put two sentinels out but when he got up in the morning one of the sentinels had had his throat slit and one of the horses was gone so a maiden warrior had actually snuck into the camp and no one had heard a thing oh god so they knew that these were like really powerful yeah adversaries so instead of traveling across the lowlands to utah because of the indian attacks the ambush caused Boone to take his gang across the high mountains. Uh, okay. It was an early winter, and the snowstorms made traveling miserably slow. Also, when they would get to the towns at the higher elevations, they had already been abandoned by the people who lived there during the summer. Right. And so Boone knew he was going to have to ditch his bin if he himself was going to survive. After he and his men ate all of their provisions and their horses, he struck out by himself. So he was followed by a man named Burton who had also realized that like these other guys are going to slow us down. This is not great. Burton and Boone. Yeah, Burton and Boone. Yeah. Oh, well. Burton followed Boone as closely as he could, but he collapsed just outside an abandoned fort. He expected to die, but what he didn't expect was Boone finding him and carrying him back to the fort. He was grateful to Boone for saving him until (laughs) he woke up at one point and Boone was sawing Burton's leg off. He'd used his belt as a tourniquet. Oh, my God. Uh, Of course, Boone was eating the leg. Of course. He even fed Burton some of his own leg. Oh, my God. Burton realized that the only way he'd survive was to kill Boone. However, there was only one bullet in the gun, and Burton decided to kill himself instead. That's fair. And Boone was pissed off because he could have fed off of Burton for weeks, but now he had to eat what he could as long as it would last. Yeah. And then he decided to head on to Salt Lake City. That's why you keep them alive while you're eating yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, you keep those guns out of the way. Yeah, you do. You keep yeah. them out of reach. So, Boone came upon a Shoshone camp. <laughs> 
uh, he walked right into it and just sat down by the fire like he owned the place. The Shoshone thought he must be crazy, which they didn't know how right they were. Yeah. So they were really, really nice to him. <laughs> but they got pretty tired of him pretty fast. And as soon as they could, they foisted him off on the first white man they could they could find who was named John W. Powell, but he's not the John W. Powell who explored the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. It's but, a different John. Yeah, it's a John W. Powell. <laughs> so Powell took care of Boone because he felt bad for Boone in his terrible condition. And he also heard the jingling of the coins in Boone's pack. Like, oh, this guy's got money. This guy's got money. So when they got to Salt Lake City, Powell thought that Boone would pay him for his care. But Boone just turned around and walked off without saying anything. So, yeah. Boone's kind of a dick. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He was soon a wanted man in Salt Lake City. One source claimed that he was actually in the pay of local officials who wanted him to get rid of some undesirable elements. But he was so ruthless and so obvious in doing it that the officials had no choice but to run him out of the city. Uh, You're supposed to be sneaky about this, Boone. But for a while, he served in a militia which was organized against the Utes. Uh, Despite all the killing and raping, it was too much work for Boone, who really preferred to gamble, drink, and carouse. Yeah. Uh, so he and a companion soon took off for British Columbia. Okay. <laughs> so there was a group of five miners in the area. Uh, they had banded together for protection because they had thousands of dollars of gold with them. Uh, so two were Irishmen, two were Frenchmen, and the last was a man named Sokolowski. Uh, As they traveled, the two Irishmen got frustrated that the other three were not moving fast enough, so they traveled ahead and made camp off the road. Uh, Meanwhile, Boone and his companion had come across the other three and had slaughtered them. Of course. Of course. After the killing, there was $30,000 at that time worth of gold strewn across the road. Jesus. Uh, so it was too much for them to take, so they did their own, their old, like, we'll just bury it and come back to it when it's safe deal. Yeah. Uh, so as they proceeded to a place called Quesnel Forks, they passed by the camp of the two Irishmen, which was lucky for them, because if they had known that, they, if they had seen them, they probably would have killed them too. But it yeah. was off the side of the road, so they didn't. So the next day... The bodies of the three prospectors were brought into town. Uh, the two Irishmen recognized them and mentioned that they had $30,000 in gold on them. Also, word came in that Boone Helm was in the area to look out. They were like, Yeah. Yeah, it was not really that hard to put the two facts together, but by that time, Boone and his companions had left them. Of course. Uh, The two, so Boone and his companion made their way around British Columbia, committing robbery, rape, and murder. 
they even robbed the two Irishmen, but didn't kill them, which was a huge mistake on Boone's part. Yep. Uh, eventually, the two criminals uh, ended up in Victoria, British Columbia, where Boone's love of gambling and liquor led him to have a disastrous night out on the town. He lost money, and he wouldn't pay his bar tab. So the barman had him arrested by Sergeant Blake. Oh, no. Um, so Blake realized that he had the notorious outlaw Boone Helm in his clutches. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. But he had nothing to charge him with except not paying his bar tab. Just being an asshole. Yeah. So while he had Boone in custody, he sent out notices to as many places as he could think of to try to get them to give him a reason to keep Boone. Uh, meanwhile, Boone had hired an expensive lawyer to try try to keep himself out of a jail sentence. Because what money? Uh, so, yeah. Blake actually, Blake actually also questioned Boone's companion, but he did not survive. <laughs> so I mean, like, ooh. okay, yeah. So no one had responded to Sergeant Blake by the time of Boone's trial, and although Blake told the judge he needed time to prove that this was the evil Boom Helm, uh, the judge proclaimed that if Helm could produce fifty dollars, he'd go free. But Boone couldn't produce it, so he was sentenced to a month on a chain gang. And also, the lawyer at that point finally realized he probably wasn't going to get paid either. So, I could have told you that, yeah. lawyer. <laughs> Jesus. So, the sergeant thought that surely a month would be enough for one of these towns. He tried to contact, get in touch with him about Boone. But the days passed, and there was nothing. So, finally, the day came when Boonhelm was freed from the chain gang. Uh, the sergeant followed him to the Victoria City border, because if Boone did anything out of line, he was going to get him. Right. Uh, Boone behaved himself, because that's what psychos do. Yeah. They know when to act up and when not to. Three days after Boone had left, Blake heard from one of the towns he tried to contact. <sighs> You're like, God damn you. Uh, So while in jail, uh, Boone had picked up a traveling companion named Dirty Harris. That's all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Dirty Harry. Dirty Harris. 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 (laughs) Like generic Dirty Harry. Not many days after his release, Boone and Dirty Harris were in a town called Sumas in British Columbia. When they saw a familiar face, at least to Boone, it was one of the Irishmen. Oh, no. His name was Collinson. And Collinson saw him. So, normally, Boone would simply have killed Collinson. But in this case, they were outside the local lawman's office. So, Boone wasn't going to chance starting a shootout this time. Instead, he and Dirty Harris crept out of town as soon as possible. So, instead of actually going to the local law officials, Collinson decided to go to a place called Fort Yale. He reported to the British Army station there. Yeah. Uh, He also had an idea where Boone and Dirty Harris might be going. 
he thought they might be going back to where they'd killed those prospectors and buried the money. Yeah. Because they hadn't had time to get it yet. Uh, so the cavalry, uh, which were stationed at Fort Yale, set out to find Boone and his companion. Um, they were much more thorough than any just of the local lawmen. Mm-hmm. But um, they could not find any trace of the fugitives. They looked and looked and couldn't find anything. So they were about to give up when a report came in of two men walking north uh, in, a ri- in a river. Not beside a river, in a, in river. a river. Yeah. Okay. So this set the cavalry on his tail again, and it was not long before... He was found close to the Fraser River. <laughs> so, no surprise here. Dirty Harris was nowhere to be found. And when Boone was asked about him, Boone replied, Why, do you suppose I'm fool enough to starve to death when I can help him? I ate him up, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boone was, <laughs> I mean, Boone was taken to Fort Yale. A man named... Brandian was sent by the American government to take Boone back to the U.S. to face trial. He was taken to the Port Townsend, Washington jail. Uh, Within a few days, however, Boone got hold of a knife and a trowel and he began to dig his way out of his cell. He'd been gone for a few days before the guards realized that the pile of rags in his bed was not him. By then, he was so far gone that it was too late to send a search party out. However, the jail did at least send out the word that he had escaped. I feel like these are really bad cops. (laughs) Like, like in the 1800s, anyone could be like, I'm going to be a cop! I know. It's like the 1800s version of Clouseau. Like, oh my god. Yeah, it's... Yeah. So, Helm acquired, soon acquired different clothing, a bowie knife, and a pistol, then a horse, and of course he got them the usual way he gets things. Um, Eventually, he worked his way south to the San Francisco area. Uh, He hid out as best as he could, but he was found by a rancher on whose land he'd hid. Which, this part is actually really sad. Um, the rancher took a liking... I mean, we know, we all know where this is going, though. The rancher took a liking to Boone and allowed him to stay in his home. He oh. fed him, he clothed him, he gave him company. Uh, Boone spent several months hiding out with the rancher and living with him. Eventually, though, Boone's thoughts turned to moving on. So, one night after they'd played cards and turned in, Boone crept into the rancher's room and shot him several times, then took all his portable valuables and left on a stolen horse. Aww. So, yeah. Uh, Boone decided for some reason to head back to Oregon. Uh, That had been the place he'd enjoyed the most, and he figured the authorities were looking for him in California by now, so he headed north. He got to a town called Florence, where some people recognized him from his time there before. Mm-hmm. 
once again, he was offered money to, quote unquote, take care of a troublesome criminal. Uh, Dutch Fred <laughs> had rubbed the elders of Florence the wrong way. <laughs> Dutch Fred. Dutch Fred. And the elders wanted Boone to assassinate him. Uh, once again, though, Boone brought no discretion or finesse to the killing. He just walked into a bar and shot him dead. Uh, Boone could find no one to help him, least of all the men who actually paid him to do the killing. So he struck out for the Canadian border, but he was quickly captured and taken to jail in Portland. Eventually, he was taken back to Florence to stay in trial... But no one would testify against him, even though he'd shot Dutch Fred in front of several people in the bar. So the judge had no choice but to let him go free. Right. Okay. So, huh. when, when Boone had been in jail in Portland, he'd written to his eldest brother, who the family called Old Tex. Old Tex. So Tex had come to Florence from Texas... Before Boone was brought there for trial and had bribed and or intimidated enough witnesses to ensure that his little brother was freed. Like you do. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Tex told Boone that he couldn't keep living like he was and that he, Tex, was giving Boone two options. He could buy Boone an officer's commission in the Confederate Army because, of course, Boone was a big fan of the Confederacy course he was or two he could get boone a job with boone mineral company which eventually could lead to not only a not only a job but to a share of the company uh well boone didn't want to do any of these things obviously he didn't want to live under his brother's shadow at all and he didn't really want to fight well not like as an actual soldier no he just wanted to beat people up murder them eat them yeah Exactly. You know, the usual stuff. The usual. The usual. I mean, that's, you know. He just wanted to live his life. His life. His best life. No one else's best life, but his best life. His best life. Yeah. Uh, So, in Idaho, Boone snuck out of his brother's camp, stole horse, and rode away. Uh, As his brother went back to Texas, regretting ever having helped him, uh, the latter had returned to his usual ways. And because Boone had been put on trial in Florence, most of the bounties out against him had been canceled. So he no longer feared the law the way he had. Uh, Boone killed at least half a dozen men and robbed at least twice that number when he was in Idaho. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Eventually he crossed into Montana, which he'd heard had a lawlessness that appealed to him. Uh, There was a gang called the Innocent, which operated in the Goldrich area between Virginia, Virginia City and Bannock. And their leader was the sheriff of Bannock, Henry Plummer. <laughs> uh, the gang captured Boone and took him to meet Plummer. And after they let him go, uh, Boone went to one of the town saloons and regaled them with stories of his life. And one of his closest listeners was this aforementioned Sheriff Plummer. So the next morning, Boone woke up in one of Plummer's jail cells, and Plummer offered Boone a place in his organization. He soon was feared as one of the most ruthless and violent men 
even among a group of these violent men who were extremely vicious themselves. Jesus. The miners who worked in the area had no law enforcement to turn to, so they decided to set up their own group, the Vigilance Committee of Alder Gulch. So the vigilantes soon started going after men who were members of the Innocents. And soon Sheriff Plummer himself found, found himself being held in his own jail cell. Uh, a few days later, Boone himself was captured and put into a cell in Virginia City while, with other members of the Innocents. So, huh. the next day, Boone was taken out of his, his cell. He was given a trial in the town square. He blamed one of his colleagues, uh, Three Finger Jack, <laughs> in the Innocents for all the murders and robberies that had occurred why his name was Three Finger Jack. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, was that on one hand? Or, uh, like, total? I, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, like, you don't blame somebody with just three fingers for killing a bunch of people. No. I mean, come on, dude. But like, how did he do I it? can't even hold the gun. I don't even have a trigger finger. finger. Uh, beats him to death with his stumps. Stumps, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's poor, yeah, it's poor stumps. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Continue. I, I, really, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Actually, I'm picturing it now. Like, how do you kill somebody? Yeah. So. Three-Finger Jack was listening from his cell, and he yelled and cursed at Boone, and the townspeople obviously didn't believe Boone either. So, in turn, instead of returning Boone to his cell, his other cellmates were brought out from the jail for their executions. All of them were placed on top of boxes and had uh, nooses put around them. Three-Finger Jack had the box kicked out from under him, as he struggled and jerked while he slowly suffocated, Boone yelled at him, Kick away, old fella. It's my turn next. I'll be in hell with you in a minute. Oh, jeez. So instead of letting someone kick the box out from under him, he jumped off of it with enough force to snap his neck. Oh, my God. And on the backswing, his body knocked his would-be executioner down, then hit one of his fellow gang members. And his last words were, Every man for his principles. I mean, like he had any. Uh, hooray for Jeff Davis. Let her rip. <laughs> he was buried in Boot Hill Cemetery in Virginia City, and his grave is still there today. Damn. What a fucking psycho. Yeah. So that's the story of Boone Hill. The Kentucky Cannibal. The Kentucky Cannibal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lord. What a story. That's quite the story. We have another pretty good one for next week. Yeah. I mean, nothing's ever going to... For me, I don't think anything's ever going to top Bobby Mackey's. Because that was pretty... Bobby Mackey's was pretty great. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Bobby Mackey's. That was a good story. It had everything. It did. It had like, nuts. It had nuts. <laughs> oh my god. It had nuts. 
Oh my god. <laughs> well, this one had three finger jacks. So. Yeah, a guy getting fed his own leg. I mean, you can't have everything, but sometimes you can have a guy getting fed his own leg. That happened on Walking Dead ones. I mean, America. <laughs> America. <laughs> well, in the meantime, yeah. Go ahead and send us an email. Say hello. Say anything. Tell us we're stupid. Tell us whatever comes to mind. It's creepykentucky at gmail.com. Yeah. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Ooh. Both of them are at Creepy Kentucky. Yay! And until next time, Kentucky. What, what the, the hell? hell?